Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, uh, we are here to listen to you. We didn't come to just, you know, think our own thoughts. We want to hear your thoughts. And so from this passage uh, in Mark's gospel, Lord, let it translate into our lives in a way that we can, we can take it and receive it. And Lord, uh, do that Holy Spirit work that we need. Um, because without, without that, uh, we know that, that stuff just bounces off and we remain unchanged. So, Lord, we know that there's a, a lot of, of your world out there that needs your love and grace in their lives and they're not, they're not hearing it. Help us to be the kind of people that can share it in a way that it can be received. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, anyway, it was, a, it was a rainy day, rainy evening, a few months back, and Trisha and I decided it would be a good, good night to just stay home and watch a movie. So we did, and about the time the movie was over, the, the, the rain just let loose. And you know how you can just hear it when it hits your roof, just kind of that low roar. You'd hear it pounding. And I, I had this idea. I said, hey, honey, uh, how many songs can we think of about rain? And so we started listing some. Uh, uh, I love a rainy night, purple rain, here comes the rain again, fire uh, in the, to the, set fire to the rain, raindrops keep falling on my head, and we, we, we went on and came, we, we finally hit to the end that we could come up with uh, on our own. And I pulled out my smartphone. Oh, hi. And uh, I, I, I typed in the list, songs about. And before I could be finish, it did get an autofill and gave me a menu of suggestions uh, of, of different topics and themes that I could, could search for. Uh, and the top one on the list was one that you'd expect on any list, songs about love, right? But I was shocked when I saw the second suggestion on the list. It said, songs about rain. <gasps> and I thought, what is the likelihood that the second suggestion on the list will be songs about rain? It has to be very low unless my phone had been listening to my conversation. <laughs> Maybe it had been listening to us talk about songs about rain and that's why it suggested that as the second item on the list to search for. I don't know about you, but that to me was a little scary. I mean... Apparently, my smartphone is listening to everything that I say. And if I say, hey, Siri, I'm listening. did you hear that? She said, I'm listening. Interesting. She said, interesting. Okay, all right. And, uh, and so, see, if it's always listening for that prompt, that means what? It's always listening. You know, people used to doubt God because they couldn't imagine an entity that would be able to listen to, you know, millions of prayers at the same time. But now, Google processes 3.5 billion searches every day. And if Google can do it, is it so hard to imagine that God could do it? In our techie world, Siri and Alexa may be listening all the time, but yet what we miss, the thing that we crave, is someone who is listening with care. Someone who will really hear us. 
Now, I recognize some of you here today might consider yourself a skeptic when it comes to God and church and the Bible and all that, and I just want to say that's okay. I'm glad you're here. Some of you would say, hey, there's no way I would consider myself a disciple of Jesus. I would say, I'm, I'm honored that you're here, that somehow you are including us in your spiritual search. And I hope and I believe that this morning you're going to walk away with something that you can take home that's going to make a difference in your life right away. Microsoft conducted a study a few years back concluding that the average American has an attention span, attention span of eight seconds. Shorter than a goldfish. Congratulations. Now, I'm not really sure that they got the right conclusion in that study, but it's, it's, it's based on the fact that we are we're programmed this way. All, all day long we are bombarded with online ads and social media and junk mail and billboards and emails and more TV channels than we could ever hope to watch. And so what do we do? We scan through them as quickly as possible. We have been conditioned to have short attention spans. And what happens is, is it threatens our ability to listen well. Jesus of course, was a great teacher, told great stories. People loved to listen to him, but he was also a good listener. Today's scripture uh, that LaVon read is an example of that. Let's open our Bibles to it. Uh, Mark's uh, biography of Jesus, chapter 10. We're going to start with verse 46. And by the way, if you are here today and you go, well, I wish I had a Bible I could read at home. Well, now you do. Just take that pew Bible home. You can have it. You can keep it. And if you say, well, I don't know where to start reading. Well, today we're in this biography about Jesus written by Mark. That would be a great place to start. Today's passage is about the healing of blind Bartimaeus. But rather than focus on the healing, which would be the normal thing to do, today I want us to notice who's listening and who's not listening. So if you would follow me with verse 46. It says, they, then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, uh, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. So people are passing through Jericho on their way to Jerusalem for the Passover. Bartimaeus is sitting there on the side of the road hoping for a handout. And he's listening. He hears a surge of, of voices and footsteps. And he asks, what all, what's all the commotion about? Let's go to verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And now, by calling Jesus son of David, he's not just referring to Jesus' ancestry. Son of David means that he believes that Jesus is the promised king who comes to usher in God's kingdom. In other words, the Messiah. Now, it's one thing for a beggar to sit quietly uh, on the side of the road, holding out his hands, but, but once he starts shouting, once he makes you know, a, a nuisance of himself, people don't like that. And they, they figure Jesus is way too important, way too busy to be bothered by a dirty, smelly roadside bum. But this guy will not shut up. Verse 48. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, 
Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus is listening. Let's go on. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And picture this, throwing aside his cloak, uh, jumped, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. So I picture Bartimaeus standing before Jesus, his hands stretched out, trembling, touching Jesus' arms. Jesus looks at him. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And then Jesus listens again. He waits as long as it takes while Bartimaeus, maybe he's thinking it over. You know, if he, if he asks for a few coins, then he's probably going to get a few coins. If he asks for a crust of bread, he's probably going to get a crust of bread. But Bartimaeus knows this, this may be his only opportunity to talk with Jesus. He goes on, The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. And I can just imagine Jesus, this, is, this smile coming across Jesus' face. Bartimaeus' request is so big, so bold, so full of faith. And, and part of the reason there was a miracle that day is because Jesus is listening. Here's what we know. People will, nil, will not feel loved until they are listened to. What do you think of that? you believe that? And, and here's the more po maybe a more positive way to say it. Loving well means listening well. Let's say both of them together, shall we? People will not feel loved until they are listened to. Loving well means listening well. You know, to Jesus, people weren't problems to be solved. They weren't cases to be closed. He, he looked into their faces. He learned their names. He heard their voices. He felt their pain. And so if we are followers of Jesus, then we've got to learn that same kind of thing. We've got to learn to listen because people will not feel loved until they are listened to. Loving well means listening well. Last week, Trisha and I were visiting uh, her family in Kentucky. Uh, our first evening there, I spent some time with uh, our nephew, and this was the first time we'd seen him since his wife died in October. And pretty much all I did was listen for an hour and a half. I affirmed him. I asked a few questions along the way. Uh, once in a while, I tried to offer a little bit of wisdom, but, you know, I think I was probably pushing it. I, I don't really know that I even needed to do that because what he needed was to be heard. Now, our biggest problem with listening is that it requires us to set aside our own agendas. And that is hard, isn't it? You know, set aside your own agenda. Uh, 
Author Gary Chapman tells about a guy named Patrick. He says, I met Patrick when he was 43. He sat in the leather chair in my office. He leaned forward and said, I have been such a fool. A real fool. I've been married for 17 years, he said, and my wife has left me. And now I realize what a fool I've been. Dr. Chap Chapman asked him, in, in what way have you been a fool? He said, my wife would come home from work and tell me about the problems in her office, and I would listen to her, and then I would tell her uh, what I thought she should do. I always gave her advice. The next day, she'd come home from work and tell me about the same problems, and I would ask her, well, if she'd done what I suggested the day before, and she would shake her head and say no. After three or four nights of that, I would get angry. And I would tell her, well, don't expect any sympathy from me if you're not willing to take the advice that I gave you before. Guys, how do you think that went over? He said, well, I, he would say, oh, I don't want to hear about it. And he said, I would withdraw and go about my business. What a fool I was. He says, now I realize she didn't want advice. She wanted me to listen, to give her attention, to let her know that I understand her hurt, the stress, the pressure. She wanted to know that I loved her, and that I was with her. She didn't want advice. She just wanted to know, he said, that I understood. But I never tried to understand. And now, she's gone. There is so much we lose when we don't listen. So, how do we become better listeners? None of us are perfect listeners. We're never going to be perfect listeners. But how do we, how do we become better listeners? And I've got a few things. There's a place on the back of your bulletin for taking notes. So I'm going to ask that you jot these things down, plus a few other things that, that stand out to you along the way. Uh, first is focus on them. That is the other person. This is what Jesus did for Bartimaeus, right? Focused on him. This is loving your neighbor as yourself. Focus on them means, first of all, put away that stupid smartphone. By the way, if you've never heard the phrase, stupid smartphone, now you have. Uh, no one ever felt that they were loved by someone who is supposed to be listening, but also glancing down at a screen, right? Focus on them with your body language. So if you're sitting down together, that means giving some eye contact. It means uh, uncrossing your arms or maybe go for a walk together. Focus on them means, as I said before, uh, set aside your own agenda because if you, cannot, if you cannot stop from taking over the conversation with your own stories, you will never listen well. And if I can overgeneralize just a bit, let me say men, men. Focusing on them is especially important for us. It means there are times when we have to change gears, you know. 
We have to put on our listening hats. We have to tell ourselves that in this conversation, listening, okay, this is one of those conversations, listening well is job one. Don't mess this one up. This is your opportunity. Listen. Focus on them. Second, ask questions. I know this is obvious stuff, right? Questions show your inner interest in the other person. That It shows that you care. It means that you're interested in learning. You're showing curiosity in them. Here's a tip that I learned about asking questions in my training to be a coach. And that is, avoid why questions. Really? Yeah. Avoid why questions. They're easy to ask, but they're, they're, they're not all that helpful in the conversation, usually. Uh, rephrase them to be what questions or how questions. Questions that, that start with what or how get better responses. And then also ask questions that are short and to the point. Now, I'm still working on this one, but I have found that it works. Look what Jesus did. He asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? He didn't go on to explain. He didn't give him a list of options. He didn't make a paragraph out of it. Just one simple, straightforward question. Concise questions get better responses. And then ask a question, obviously, that invites a longer response. Don't, don't ask a yes or no question most of the time. You want to ask, a, a questions, you want to ask questions that are open-ended, that require open-ended responses. And then, of course, there are times when you need to ask questions to clear up confusion. Uh, I remember a time in a previous church where the handwritten prayer requests, instead of being typed up, they were just photocopied uh, as they were and then distributed to me and members of the prayer team. Well, one week I, I, I saw a prayer request uh, from this woman saying that she had brain surgery coming up. Oh, wow, I had no idea. Well, I happened to see her in a few days uh, at a Christmas party, and so I approached her with my best, you know, kind of pastoral concern. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, well, uh, I saw, I told her, I saw, I saw your prayer request about your surgery coming up. How long have you known about this? And she started describing something that was very different than what I was imagining. Apparently, what had happened is that I had scanned through her prayer request uh, a little too quickly and misread it slightly. She, she wasn't having brain surgery. She was having bunion surgery. <laughs> it's always good to ask, right? Always good to ask. Clear up confusion. And then another one that you'll often hear about is to summarize, you know, occasionally when you're having a conversation, especially if it's about something that is kind of tense and confusing and there's a lot of emotion in it, to, to uh, say, okay, you know, stop for a little bit, say, okay, what, what I hear you saying, and then blank, 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 repeat it, and then, is that right? And again, keep it short. If you can summarize in a sentence, that's, that's the best. And then they can affirm that, yeah, that's what they meant, or they can correct your misunderstanding. But that shows you're a good, you're really dialed in, right? You're, you're, you're dialed into them as a person. And then the last one is to allow for silence. 
it's so rare that you get a listener who at every blank moment doesn't feel they have to jump in with their own words. Right? A pause can be powerful. Sometimes a person just needs a, a, a moment to think or time to feel. Silence can be holy. Today's message is part of an ongoing series called Bless. We'll, have, we'll do this a few more times here in 2019. And uh, you see our banners here on, on either side. Uh, uh, they're also the, the five bless uh, things are on the back of your bulletin too along with a little sentence describes each one. And so I would just say let's just walk through those five things, shall we? Uh, about being a blessed friend. Same with me. Begin with prayer. Listen with care. Eat together, serve in love, share your story. We had someone here on Christmas Eve who came and never had seen them before, and they, they were puzzled. Like, okay, if you're a friend who blesses people, that means every time you're with them, you have to pray first. And, and I could see what that, where they got that, but of course that isn't what we mean by it. Uh, what these five things are about is they, they remind us how, of how God works in our friendships. Uh, especially with people who may be living far from God, who don't know Jesus personally, who aren't connected with the church. And when we say begin with prayer, it means that on our own, we are praying for them. Right? And, and our, on our own, we're praying for ourselves that we can be that kind of friend for them. What I have found is that if I am consistent in praying for them, God does stuff. And if I'm not consistent in praying for them, I miss out on what God is doing. And today's blessed behavior, as you know, we're focusing on listening with care. Too many Christians have a lot to say and no time to listen. Does that make any sense? A couple times last fall, I issued an invitation. Uh, who'd like to give bless a try? Who would like to commit to do one thing, one blessed thing each day uh, for people who are still finding their way back to God? And, uh, you know, there are a few people that I'm trying to be a blessed friend with. And most days, I'm just at the top of the list. I, I, I pray with them. I mean, I pray about them. Pray for them. Pray for myself to be that kind of friend. Um, and... Uh, I don't have contact with them every day, so the others are kind of as, they, as opportunities arise and as I feel prompted. And, and, uh, but once in a while, I forget to pray for them. So I don't do this perfectly. I am learning to make this a part of my daily life. And I hope you will too. Last year, my goal was to have, end up the year with 50 people who would commit to do one thing a day to be a blessed friend. We ended up with 63. And by the end of this year, I, my, my hope is that we're going to end with 100. So if you say yes, count me up, Steve. Count me in, Steve. I'm going to be a blessed friend then, and try to make this a part of my daily life. Then that means you're going to receive a monthly email from us 
uh, with, a little e with a little inspiration and instruction. And once a quarter, you'll be invited to a, a Sunday lunch uh, for encouragement and engagement on being a blessed friend. And by the way, we're going to have our next blessed lunch a week from today. So, if you accept my invitation, uh, here's what I want you to do. If you are willing to be uh, a blessed friend and try to make this a day, learn to make this a daily part of your life with people who may be living far from God or don't know Jesus personally or aren't not connected to a church, then I'm asking you to take another one of those uh, connection cards out of the pew rack, will you? And write your name on it, and beside it, write, Blessed Friend. And after the service, I'm going to stay up here in front of the communion table, and you can just hand me your card. That's all you got to do. Just come up and hand me your card. I've got uh, several here that were handed to me from the first service. Um, this fall, I had lunch with a friend who's a Lutheran pastor. And uh, as we were kind of talking about ourselves and our churches, I told him a little bit about Bless. And he got really excited, enthused about it. So he wanted me to send him some materials, which I did. And here's what he said. He said, if you have 50, more than 50 people in your church who want to be a blessed friend every day, he said, that's a revival. He said, if you get to 100, that'll be a revolution. And I thought, okay, Lord, bring it on. Bring it on.